I'm Austin Riley Miller, and you're listening to Unfurled, the story of our flags. On the desert planet of Tatooine, in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, young Anakin Skywalker prepares his pod racer for one of the best parts of the prequel movie. Now, many fans have had very mixed opinions about The Phantom Menace, and most fans agree it really isn't the strongest Star Wars movie by a lot. Even Lucas admits to this. But the most fans that I know, myself included, usually mention two things as being the best parts of this particular film. And now the first is typically the climactic lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Darth Maul. Between the music and Darth Maul pulling out that double-bladed lightsaber, oh, it's, it's just so good. Now, the second most noted thing that people like about this film is Jar Jar Binks. Okay, that's, that's a joke. I'm sorry. I, I had to throw that out there. had to do it. Just too good. Never mind. Okay. The, the, the next best thing about this film is the pod racing. And having grown up with this movie since my early childhood, I've never really had the hate for this movie that some original fans have had. And I get why it's not the best, and I really did enjoy the pod racing sequences though. In fact, it's also one of my favorite levels in the LEGO Star Wars game. Now, you might be wondering, what does my rant on Star Wars and pod racing have to do with flags? And don't worry, I'll get there in a second. But let me just keep going on Star Wars just a little longer. Star Wars now has uh, nine movies that bear the official title of Star Wars, and there are also uh, a number of other shows, movies, and spinoffs to the whole series. Merchandise has been just in massive demand ever since the first Star Wars came out back in 19, 1977, and I'm even wearing a shirt, a Star Wars t-shirt commemorating the greatest cinema reveal of all time right now while I record this episode. So even if you haven't actually seen Star Wars, and if you haven't, you really should. I mean, really, it's especially the original trilogy. It, it's If you haven't seen it, go watch it. But even if you haven't seen it yet, you've at least heard the name Star Wars before. It's a massive part of our culture, and it's quite literally inescapable at this point. Now, I'm a huge fan, and I have been for as long as I can remember. I've watched the films countless times, and I will watch them countless times more. So, I would say that I, I know these movies pretty well. The spaceships, lightsabers, blasters, and quirky aliens all make Star Wars just a unique and different world, or worlds that are unique from our own. I'm pretty familiar with these worlds, and after all the time I've spent watching the movies, playing the games, and enjoying the, the fun universe that is Star Wars, I've only ever seen flags in this universe I think I've counted three times. And the first is right before the pod racing starts. The scene I'm talking about is uh, right before the race starts. The pod racers, which consist of you know both CGI and costume aliens, as well as little Anakin are all being announced and they're making their final preparations for the race. Now at that point, a host of different flags are marched along the finish line. Anakin's white and blue flag is briefly identifiable by the naked C-3PO who holds it. Uh, the, the music in this scene is, is great. I mean, well, like all the music in all of Star Wars, thanks to the genius that is John Williams. And the song that plays in this scene is actually called The Parade of Flags. And here's the moment the flags are shown. Listen to this.
The song in its entirety is actually only two minutes and eight seconds, but the flags are only shown for about 10 seconds at most. And it's almost a shame because some of those flags have really good designs. And this leaves some questions too, like what was the process for Anakin's design that was only gonna be on screen for a couple seconds? And I, <laughs> I'm a bit of a nerd, but I did, I, I did a bit of um digging on this. And it turns out that like with most things Star Wars, there is a massive rabbit hole on this stuff. And not to get too off topic, I'll just, I'll just take a quick tangent because it's really, really cool. First question was, what do these flags represent? Uh, some people online speculated that it was the planet that the racers are from, but the more I looked at it, it looks like the official use of those flags were simply just to denote the racing team and the sponsor. Simple enough, but what about the design? And there are theories both in-universe about where the design originated and out of the universe. I read that Anakin's flag was designed by George Lucas himself, and that it was a similar design to one that was on a sports car that Lucas owned. So that's out of universe. In universe, it's much less clear and the fan theories get just absolutely bonkers. Uh, the blue symbol on the flag is also on Anakin's pod racer. And there's a theory that it was designed by Anakin and somehow inspired by Padme. How much of this is true? No idea, but it was just so interesting how much speculation and lore can go into just a flag that we see for literally less than 10 seconds in movie. The next time we see a flag in the Star Wars universe at all is actually in the sequel trilogy, where at Maz's castle in the uh, the seventh movie, uh, there's just a host of banners hanging, one of which, if you look carefully, you can actually see Anakin's pod racing flag there, as well as some of the other pod racing flags. And then the last spot that we see flags in Star Wars that I know of is in that same movie. And this time it's at Starkiller Base where we see General Hux give his, you know, Hitler-esque speech of like, the First Order will do so great and all that. And you see these huge red banners with the First Order symbol on them. And that's pretty much it. Out of the nine movies over, I don't know how my almost 12 hours plus of screen time, we only see flags three times. And only in one or two shots are those flags even the prominent part of that shot. And that's gonna be back in episode one with C-3PO holding Anakin's flag. And now the history of flags in general, I found its roots on the battlefield, as I said back in the first episode of this podcast. So it's interesting to me that in a series named Star Wars, we only see flags used a couple of times. And the most prominent of those wasn't even during a war or a battle. It was before a race. Now, although Star Wars is completely fictional and is a fictional galaxy far, far away with technology way ahead of us, I think it's actually got it right on the use of flags on the battlefield in modern warfare. We don't use flags like we did 150 years ago. Their purpose, while at its core is the same, has shifted a bit. Flags are powerful symbols and are still used as such, but we don't use them to direct our troops as much as we used to. Star Wars didn't use flags on the battlefront, and for the most part, neither anymore do we. And that sets up our discussion for today. Just how do we use our flags? Although we don't have pod racing in our world, we do have our fair share of races and vehicles. Probably the most notable would be car racing, such as with NASCAR. I'm willing to bet that most everyone listening has seen and would recognize a white and black checkered flag. 
In NASCAR and pretty much in every other motorized racing sport that I'm aware of, the checkered flag signals the end of the race and the finish line. There's also a number of other flags used as well. For instance, the solid green flag uh, signals the start of the race, yellow is a caution flag and warns drivers to slow down, and there are a host of other flags as well. I think the most known, however, is the checkered flag, and it finds its roots in the, uh, I'm going to say this wrong probably, but the Glidden Tours, uh, which was a road rally in 1906. The racing course there was divided into many sections with different time checkers who measured time to the legs, and they used checkered flags to mark themselves. The earliest photographed use of the checkered flag as a finish flag was that same year in the Vanderbilt Cup race at Long Island, New York. And now there are some urban legends that say the flag had its origins in horse racing or even in bicycle racing in France, but none of those appear to be true. Today, the checkered flag is as much a symbol of cars in general as it is of racing. And outside of racing, we use flags in a couple of other interesting ways. For instance, in American football, officials use a yellow flag to mark penalties and coaches use a red flag to mark a challenge or against a ruling on the field. Now, while the term flag is used, I, I don't know that I can actually fully give these things the title of flag, at least not in any kind of traditional sense. They're more like beanbags with tails, honestly. You don't typically think of flags as something you throw, but that's just kind of the term we use. Penalty markers would have been a more accurate term, but but hey, it's it's sort of like a flag, but only in the way that like flag football uses flags, you know? It's not like players actually wear a flag, it's more like ribbons. Yeah, ribbon football. Hmm, you know, I, I think I see what we call it, flag football. Ribbon football just kind of sounds like a cross between a, a sport and a ribbon dance. Then again, considering the way the game is played without contact and all the spinning they do, maybe it should be called ribbon football. Hey, we should make this catch on. This is this is something going on. I like this. Ribbon football. Well, and anyways, and I should probably get off my tangent here. In soccer, there are actual flags used. At the corners of the field, there are flags marking the corners. Typically, those are red flags, although I think I've seen some variations of red and uh, yellow. Um, but what is more is the assistant referees in soccer use actual flags to signal offsides. So notice that all these sports flags tend to do something similar, though. They all either signal or mark something. It's, it's a common thread amongst all sports and competition. In tennis and uh, volleyball, flags are also used to mark and award points. And I think the same is true with badminton, but I'm not exactly watching that sport a whole lot, but, but you, you get the point. So one of the ways we use flags today is in sports, whether it be NASCAR, whether it be football, soccer, badminton, we use flags and we use them as signal flags. And that's very common with how we use flags today. And while referees are not using the uh, semaphore system, which is like an alphabet signaling system based on the waving of a pair of handheld flags, it's kind of like Morse code. So even though referees aren't doing that per se, they do use flags to signal information to help officiate the games being played. But now most of us are not referees, so it's not really fair to judge that that's how we use flags today. So how does the average person use flags? And it might surprise you that there are a lot of laws and rules that exist that govern the use of national flags, not just in the United States, but throughout the world. Certain flags are only to be flown by militaries and not the civil population. And now if you are American, that might sound a little bit strange as the use of our flag by civilians is completely permitted. And I mentioned a couple episodes back about the red ensign. 
which was and is used by private citizens of Great Britain when at sea. If you don't remember, it's a red flag with the Union Jack in the Canton. And now the actual Union Jack, just on its own, isn't supposed to be flown by civilians while at sea on their boats. It's reserved for the military. The United States doesn't have such a law restricting the use of our flag at sea to our military, but, but we do have laws intended to govern the use of our flag. The interesting thing is that a large part of Americans tend to disregard some of the specifics in this flag code, and many more of us probably aren't familiar with all of the details of this. The laws regarding the American flag are found in Chapter 1 of Title 4 of the United States Code. I think most Americans know some part of it. I'm pretty sure we've all heard different things. A lot of it's been imprinted into our culture, really. But I bet there are some aspects that might surprise you. It's not a terribly long code, at least the part I want to read. And I want to look at where we as Americans follow and don't follow this code, because I think of all the flags, the national flag is probably the one we're most likely to fly. The first part of Section 8 reads as follows. No disrespect should be shown to the flag of the United States of America. The flag should not be dipped to any person or thing. Regimental colors, state flags, and organization or institutional flags are to be dipped as a mark of honor. Now, this one feels pretty easy to follow. Um, sometimes you might see before a football game a color guard march on the field. During the national anthem, you might notice that the state flag and any other flags present will dip in salute to the American flag as it flies high. And I think the first part is probably the purest part of this this whole law is that no disrespect should be shown to the flag of the United States of America. That's probably like the purest ideology of what this law is trying to do. But anyways, let's, let's move on. Section A of this uh, part reads, the flag should never be displayed with the union down, except as a signal of dire distress in instances of extreme danger to life or property. Again, I think this is a, I think a good number of people actually know this one. It's really not a common thing to see the flag upside down, and while I personally think it would be a great way to send an SOS, I think most of us are more likely to see the flag flown upside down in protest than in distress. But it, it definitely is taken as that's the meaning behind it, and so I think that's one of those rare things that's actually pretty well known by most Americans. And I could be wrong, but for myself and my family, that we know that. Anyways, here is B of this article. The flag should never touch anything beneath it, such as the ground, the floor, water, or merchandise. Now this is a thing I think everyone knows. As a kid, I heard the myth that uh, if an American flag touched the ground, you had to retire it, usually by burning it. I'm pretty sure that's not the case here, but as a kid, for some reason, I really thought that was true. So I don't know if my older siblings like got me on that one or if I, I don't know. Also, I, I do think it's interesting that it has merchandise on that list. I honestly cannot think of what the heck that means. What kind of merchandise would it be touching? I don't know if it's like shipments or cargo or... It's just hard to imagine. Like I get all the other scenarios, you know, what it'd say. Uh, the ground, floor, those are like the same thing. Water, maybe at sea, I suppose. And then merchandise. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what that's alluding to, but apparently it's not supposed to touch the merchandise. Moving on towards C, this one says... The flag should never be carried flat or horizontally, but always aloft and free. So this one is broken a lot, even by our own military and our own uh, service personnel. The flag is draped over the coffins of service members during funerals, for one, and it's oftentimes, if you go to like a sporting event, it's held horizontally on fields before football games. So this is a, a rule that is pretty much just disregarded, I feel like. Anyways, moving on towards D. 
The flag should never be used as a wearing as wearing apparel, bedding, or drapery. It should never be festooned, drawn back, nor up in folds, but always allowed to fall free. Bunting of blue, white, and red, always arranged with the blue above, the white in the middle, and the red below, should be used for covering a speaker's desk, draping the front of the platform, and for decoration in general. Alright, so there are two parts to this in a way. This is, I think, a very misunderstood rule about the flag. Images of the flag appear on clothing a lot in the United States, and often I will hear people say something along the lines of, uh, oh, this flag shouldn't, the flag shouldn't be used in clothing like that. And I think there's something to note here. Clothing that looks like the flag isn't being made out of a flag. Kind of a subtle thing. The law states that flag, the flag should never be used in wearing apparel or as bedding or drapery. So, so one could argue that making pants that look similar and use elements also seen in the flag is different than making a pair of shorts out of an existing flag. Listen to the part of the code again. It, it should never be festooned, drawn back, nor up in folds, but always allowed to fall free. So anyone who wants to make a dress by pinning up an American flag would be breaking the rules of this law and so by desecrating the flag, but, but not someone wearing a sweater that uses the image of a flag. I think you could argue that. I think there's a difference there. And now, Olympic athletes using the flag as a cape would technically break this law still. But seeing as they usually only do so when they win a medal and thus bring the United States a lot of prestige, I think we've collectively just kind of ignored this law in that regard. Anyways, the second part of this talks about bunting, and if you're not sure what that means, think of like a presidential candidate speaker, and they have like the, the like, it's hard to describe. If you don't know what uh, the bunting is, it's like the... I'm having a hard time describing it. You know, it's it's like when they have like on the podium, they have like what looks like kind of like American colors, red, white, and blue. That's that's it's kind of like folded up. You're allowed to use like bunting, like the colors allowed to be used and draped, but not the flag per se. So that's what that's talking about. All right, here's E. The flag should never be fastened, displayed, used, or stored in a manner as to permit it to be easily torn, soiled, or damaged in any way. Now this seems to me like common sense. Flags do degrade in age over time, but usually nobody's trying to intentionally rip up flags. But F, the next section in this, is pretty weird though. Listen to this. The flag should never be used as a covering for a ceiling. I literally cannot think of anyone I know who has ever considered covering their ceiling with the American flag. Moving on, <laughs> G. The flag should never have placed upon it, nor on any part of it, nor attached to it, any mark, insignia, letter, word, figure, design, picture, or drawing of any nature. And now this one's interesting. I've seen a number of flags that break this rule. Most of those that do tend to be, I think, political in nature. And this is going to range from a number of flags. So from the American flags with the words Trump 2020 on them, or even some of those flags with Trump's face on them, those are breaking this law. And then there's other flags that promote different agendas or slogans and different things, and pro usually in protest in one way or another. But I would argue that some of those flags, a lot of those flags actually are going to be breaking this rule. So just interesting to note how it kind of both sides of different political leaning people can break this rule in different ways. So kind of interesting. All right, H is another, uh, should I say interesting rule? The flag shall never be used as a receptacle for receiving, holding, carrying, or delivering anything. And now, I, I don't think I've ever seen this rule be broken. Probably because a flag would not make a very good backpack. But anyways, 
that, that's what that one is. Let's go to I. The flag should never be used for advertising purposes in any manner whatsoever. It should not be embroidered on such articles as cushions or handkerchiefs and the like, printed or otherwise impressed on paper napkins or boxes or anything that is designed for temporary use and discard. Advertising signs should not be fastened to a staff or halyard from which the flag is flown. So there's a lot in this section, but basically I think we could boil this down to don't make the flag easily disposable or use it in advertisements or don't take the flag's place for your advertisements. And I think this one gets abused a little bit. It's definitely in advertising a lot, and it's also printed onto things a lot, or at least the image of the flag is. And the wording isn't particularly clear. If there were ever a penalty for the offense of this law, which, which there aren't any penalties for the misuse of the flag, but if there were, I imagine that one could maybe argue a loophole in this section due to how vague it is written. But overall, this part of the law is pretty well disregarded. All right, we're almost there now. Here is J. No part of the flag should ever be used as a costume or athletic uniform. However, a flag patch may be affixed to the uniform of military personnel, firemen, policemen, and members of patriotic organizations. The flag represents a living country and is itself considered a living thing. Therefore, the lapel flag pin being a replica should be worn on the left lapel near the heart. Okay, there was a lot to break down on this one, and first with the athletic uniform. What is it meant by no part of the flag? And it's not really clear, and regardless, Olympic uniforms often sport imagery found on the flag. And whether this means no American flags may be cut up for the uniforms, or no images of the flags may be used, is up for a lot of debate. And that kind of goes back to one of those other rules about apparel with flags. It's kind of vague, and you can maybe argue it. Regardless though, Olympic uniforms tend to have flag imagery on them. The flag patch thing seems pretty normal enough, so I'll probably skip that part and go to the end where it gets a little weirder, but, but one thing before I do, um, I like how it mentions the different organizations, including any patriotic organization. And my question is, how do you define a patriotic organization? And that's also not very clear. Um, anyways, moving on to the really weird part of this law. The flag represents a living country and is itself considered a living thing. Isn't that a really weird thing to codify into law? You're telling me that under United States law, the flag is considered to be alive? Are, are there any possible legal implications in this? Like, like, can you murder the flag, even if only technically? Or, or could, could you commit flag abuse? I mean, obviously we don't actually think and treat the flag like it's alive, but you gotta admit, this is a really weird thing to put onto, onto a law. I mean... It, it's just interesting to think about like how a court would treat something like this. I mean, thankfully, there are no uh, penalties for desecrating the flag or breaking this law, even though there is some push by, I think, more conservative leading people to put this in place. But I don't think they realize some of the things that are in this law. So it's, it's, I think it's a good thing that we don't have any penalties for this, because imagine if legally we enforce the fact that the flag is a living entity. I mean, I, I mean, we can kill a fly and it's a living entity, but you shouldn't go around killing dogs and certainly you can't go killing people. So where would the flag lie in all of that? I mean, the implications of this legally are very interesting and I almost am curious to see how far you could push this, but I digress. I, I, thankfully, it's we're not gonna push this any further than it needs to be, but it is very strange to put that into law. All right, it's interesting too that there's a distinction made between a flag and a lapel pin that is a replica. 
just <laughs> lots of weird wording in this, and I, I don't know how well this would hold up if the constitutionality of this ever came under play. But anyways, time for the, I think this is the last section, it's K. The flag, when it is in such condition that it is no longer a fitting emblem for display, should be destroyed in a dignified way, preferably by burning. Uh, before I get to that, I'm actually going to go off script here for a second. Um, I love how in this section it suddenly says it is no longer a fitting emblem for display. We went from living thing to emblem real quick, so, okay, moving on. Um, maybe some people didn't know this part of the thing, but most any Boy Scout in the United States would know that the preferable way to retire a flag is by respectfully burning it. And it is interesting that one of the most intense symbols of protest in America is to burn our flag. And yet the dignified and preferred way to retire a flag is also by burning it. So that's just something to note, log that away. Um, that was the eighth section of this law, which gives a, a lot of mostly disregarded specifics about how we should use our flag if you're American. There are also a lot of specifics about flying the flag, which I haven't read and I don't want to go section by section on that one because it's mostly pretty dull to be frank but i do want to highlight a few of the rules real quick perhaps you know that the stars and stripes are not to be flown at night unless properly lit up typically you're only supposed to fly the flag from sunrise to sunset now there are no fines as i've said there are no fines or consequences for anyone who doesn't follow this rule. But I do think it's interesting that Disneyland follows this rule in a very, shall I say, unique way. So at Disneyland, they, they do not light up their flag at night, nor do they take it down. And that is because the stars and stripes that they fly are not actually a current American flag, nor has it ever been because the flag code law actually goes retroactively for flags before uh, other official flags beforehand. Any flag that was official in the United States is always official. That's another thing in the flag that you might not know about the code. But the one flying at Disneyland is not an official flag. At least it's not yet anyways. And that's because the flag flying at Disneyland has 51 stars on it. Currently, we only have 50 states and thus 50 stars. And while Puerto Rico did just vote for statehood, they're not a state yet, and our flag has not changed. Not unless Congress approves and adds them to the union, and then next July they would be added, but, but that may not even happen, honestly. So technically, the flag flying at Disneyland right now does not fall under this code, as it is not an American flag. By technicality, but of course, as I've said a couple times now, there are no penalties enforced for any of these laws anyways, so why would it even matter? And that's the weird thing about how we use our flags especially in the United States with our American old glory stars and stripes. Because should Disney have flown an official American flag in the dark, odds are that there would be someone somewhere who would cry out and complain. And maybe it could have been a huge PR fiasco, who knows? The implications would be interesting. It's funny how we, you know, just pick and choose which parts of this law that we as a nation are going to follow, and more so even individually. We hold a, a massive 100-yard flag horizontally before a football game, and we all feel swells of patriotism despite the fact that we are watching the flag code be violated before our very eyes. And yet, when we see swim trunks with the image of Old Glory on, on it, some of us look down on it and then say, oh, you shouldn't use a flag on a swimsuit, that's disrespectful. So even though that may or may not actually be breaking the code. So someone may complain about the ironic free speech of a burning of a flag while also breaking the flag code by pinning a flag to their wall horizontally. 
So in the end, the laws regarding the usage of the flags are weird. And in some ways, they're, they're rather arbitrary, especially that alive thing. And it's, it's probably a really good thing that there are no particular enforcement measures for this particular part of United States laws. It reminds me kind of of the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, where the pirate code is taken by Captain Barbosa to be <clears throat> more like guidelines. But, but honestly, just imagine being sent to court for flag abuse. Goodness, that would be so strange. I'd love to see it, actually. Not, not really, but my hypothetical mind is just going crazy with the idea of defending someone for flag abuse because it's a living thing. I, I just It's weird. It's so funny. And flags are in many ways very useful, especially in the world of sports and other signaling things. And I mentioned last episode that flying a flag says a lot about one's identity. And I'm going to go further this week in saying that how we fly our flags says a lot, too. Some of us fly our flags in the back of our trucks. Do we take them down when it's dark or do we illuminate them? I would guess we don't. And that breaks the flag code and U.S. law, even though the flying of them was probably intended as a stroke of blatant patriotism. Most of us probably would wear American flag apparel, which may or may not break the flag code depending on how you read it. But I would think that those who do wear such clothing are actually proud of their flag. I think there's a difference between what I will call the law as written and the law as intended. For instance, burning an old flag that is worn and weathered to retire it is specifically stated to be done in the code. It's preferred. Burning it in protest could conceivably be argued to be within the code, should you have a savvy enough lawyer, maybe. But the intent is completely different. Almost everyone would take burning flags in protest as a desecration of the flag albeit and a very ironic one considering the free speech that the flag represents to most Americans. Most American flags today are flown outside businesses and homes, as opposed to on bases and battlefields. We use flags in our sporting events and at our political rallies. We see them at protests and we see them at parties. We, heck, we, I mentioned this in the very first episode, we see them on the moon. Flags are everywhere and they are a part of us culturally. But like in Star Wars, they're not as prominent on the battlefield anymore. These are powerful symbols we use, sometimes so casually too. So next time you use a flag, I really, really want to encourage you to stop and maybe take a moment to consider just how do you use your flags? This has been Unfurled, the story of our flags. I'm your host, Austin Riley Miller, and you can find more episodes of this podcast anywhere you're listening to it on. I mean, if you're, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and a host of others, but if you're already listening to me, you've already found me. So, I, I, I mean, keep on listening, I suppose. If you haven't yet, please leave a review and a rating if you are listening in on the Apple Podcast app. I am doing this podcast as my senior project, as I've said. I'm at BYU-Idaho, and I would really appreciate all the feedback I can get. So definitely please do that. And with that as well, um, all the opinions and views in this podcast were my own and not that of BYU-Idaho's. Although I like to hope that they wouldn't have any objections to anything I've said. Not trying to be controversial here. So uh, you may have noticed that this episode released really, really shortly after my last episode. And that is because I am desperately making up ground in time from when I was sick with COVID. So I was planning on doing six episodes and this was number five. So that means I only have one episode left this season. 
I don't know that there'll be a second season. Uh, it'll mostly depend on how much time I have available and whether or not I have anything else to even talk on the subject about. I mean, we'll just have to see and depends on the demand. Anyways, next episode will be out probably in like a day or two as well. I've got to get all these done by Wednesday. My senior projects do and grades are happening. So I'll be discussing, though, an interesting topic. We're going to be exploring where flags might go in the future as technology progresses and our world just continues to change at a dramatic pace. So all that and more next time on Unfurled, the story of our flags.